0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and
1: other resources, visit globalriver.org. Uh, well,
0: welcome to co- to uh, quarantine zone here. We're, we're coming to you live <laughs> from, from uh, Coronaville. <laughs>
1: We're we're the partially delivered COVID individuals. See, <laughs> so it kind of goes with the study. Almost, almost. I'm technically <laughs> out of quarantine, but he still has a few more days, and I was not about to do this study You look, you look pretty
0: good from COVIDville. I'll tell you what. It's
1: kind of impossible.
0: What was that, Pastor Tom? You look really good for being in COVIDville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't say I can't say it's been too difficult.
1: Yeah, so for those of you that are wondering, it just has felt like a really bad sinus infection. Um, that's the only symptom we had was just a, felt like a really bad sinus infection it, until, until you lost, we lost, well, me first, all taste and all smell. The strangest thing. So that's been the most annoying, and I found out that can last months. So if you want, I know you're praying for us, and I love that. So focus your prayers that taste and smell comes back because it's really weird. Yeah. Um Yeah, and now it's starting to affect this guy. So, But um, other than that, the, the Lord's been amazing and wonderful. And just thank you again for your honor of showing up tonight um, and for us trying something new. So we just thank yeah, just thank you.
0: So we're going to try to uh, organize this a little different so we, so we can make sure if people who ha- have things to any questions or comments that they want to share, we want to try to have that all at the end instead of instead of uh, during this whole process. I think it will just be a lot easier for us to communicate that way um, just because I'm only receiving sound through the computer at the sound booth. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting how this is all going to play out, but we're going to go ahead and tackle um, Romans 8 tonight, and there's so much in 8 that we're, we're not going to try to do um, more than that, um, so let's just go ahead and, and open up with prayer. Yes, I'm going to open us
1: up with prayer. I do. So Lord, we just thank you for new things, new ways of doing it, um, just as we are new creations, and our old man is being put down, you're inventing and have created new ways for us to to be with one another. So we thank you and we praise you that Global River, that you've blessed Global River to have the means to do this, Lord. Um, and we just, I thank you that in our weakness, you are strong. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're going to speak through us tonight that this is your message, that this is your revelation and your truth that you have for your beautiful people. And I just pray for that to come through, um, regardless of the fact that it's coming through a screen, that it's still going to come through. And I just pray for everybody's minds to be set in the the spiritual mindset for them to be able to receive your word for it to pierce into their spirits just bring new life to it lord even if they've read the scripture a thousand times i pray for a new breath a new breath a new wind into your word tonight and for it to come alive in them and and to to give them the fuel and the food that they need to grow in a new direction to grow in revelation to grow in wisdom and to grow in our spiritual journey so we just thank you for that and we we thank you um for this for just your word. I'm I'm I just pray that you guys are as falling even more hungry for his word the way that we are. Like I I just I could spend all day, every single day, just devouring his word. It's so beautiful and so precious, and it just, it comes alive in so many different ways. And we just thank you for your word and what it brings to us and the life that it gives us and the journey that it takes us on. So we just thank you for your word tonight. And we pray that Daniel and I, in our humility, that we do do something Something with it that brings your glory and brings the revelation of us closer to the revelation of who Jesus is and what He did for us because it's about your Son. So we love you, Lord, and we just thank you for tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sorry, that was a little long winded.
0: No, it's good. (laughs) Thank you all for showing up. I know it's a little strange uh, having us be remote, but hopefully we can really dive in and see what the Lord has. In store for us in Romans eight, we we spent, we spent uh, last week we were in Romans six and seven, and uh, we talked about a new paradigm. Jim, all I see is your face. <laughs> what a beautiful face. <laughs> um, we talked about a new paradigm. So. What is a, a paradigm? Let's just review that really quick. It's a philosophical framework that it within which theories and laws and generalizations are formulated. So it's, it's a framework that you create ideas, truths, and expectations in. So um, in that, we talked about how we there was a framework of understanding under the law versus a new framework of understanding in the spirit so that's kind of what we saw how we we saw this is a new this was a new concept that Paul's trying to share with Jews and Gentiles alike in a time where there already inundated by new ideas and cultures. And the world is exploding with the way the Romans have um, have really spread across the, the Mediterranean. And <clears throat> it looks like there's a screen on here. Maybe we don't want on here. So let's get that off of there. Is that, is that better, everybody? No, we're, we're not good. distracted. No, we're good. All right, um, Jim's giving me the thumbs up. So, so that's that's what he's doing is trying to re- create this new framework for them to see how how our relationship with Christ and how our relationship in the Spirit is different from the law. And he's even using um, he's using language even to try to convey this that not necess- that doesn't necessarily help the situation, which is why we see back in um, Romans 6, I think 6, uh, 24, I think he says, let me pull this up, or 6, maybe not 24, uh, 19, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as, as you presented your members to slavery and uncleanness, the law, lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. He's talking about how the language that he's using, he's using because of their weakness and flesh, their, their, their paradigm isn't shifted. They don't, they don't, they're not going to grasp the concepts without using this language that they are already familiar with. So we go into seven, he starts talking about the law. Of the spirit, um, and we're going to see more of that. God, the law of God, we're going to see more of that slave and law um, language in eight. But just as a reminder, um, he's using those human terms because because there is a lack of of terminology to use to try to convey these points. So when we say the law of spirit, it's not. He's not saying a law, it's like law in quotations, right? Um, Just to kind of give you a a concept. Um, So, and then we got into, we got into the regenerate man, the impotent man, and the wretched man, um, and then the almost delivered man. And B, Bradford, was not excited about the cliffhanger of the uh, almost... (laughs) the almost delivered man, but tonight we see the full deliverance. And I just want to start back at the almost delivered man at the end of seven. And there was a point that I wanted to touch on um, at the end of of chapter seven, where he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he he says that it's only through God, through Jesus Christ, that he can be delivered. So he sees that only Christ can deliver him. But you see in the in the second verse of chapter eight, where we go tonight. <laughs> um, He says, "I lost my place here. Sorry." In the second chapter of eight, he says, "The law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death." That is the deliverance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The liberty to the captive which is this which the spirit brings so it's the spirit that brings full deliverance um it's the spirit that brings that ultimate creates us into this delivered man well then you ask the question does that mean that the regenerated man doesn't have the holy spirit and it's not that he doesn't have the holy spirit um he did have, the regenerate man did have the Holy Spirit. He just didn't know what the Holy Spirit could do for him. So that's building in that relationship with the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't quite understand that through the Holy Spirit is when, <clears throat> is where we get we can get fully delivered. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives us victory. Um, it's the Holy Ghost who does this, the third person of the Godhead. He it is who, when the heart is open wide to receive him, comes in and reigns there and mortifies the deeds of the body day by day, hour by hour, and moment by moment. So we need to, it's, 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 it's something that we need to be conscious of every moment to be open to what Holy Spirit is doing. Uh, um, Otherwise, we we don't allow him to do the work in us, um, hour by hour and day by day. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and start
1: um, chapter one, or chapter eight. Okay, so good, so good. All right, so I'm in NKJV. We're going to do Romans 1 through 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God.
0: So when we started reading this, what Alicia and I actually spent probably 50% of our study time in the first two verses of this chapter, to be honest with you. It was so consuming, and it was about the condemnation, um, no condemnation for those who are in Christ, okay? And then there, there are some texts that add who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that was kind of like, well, is that or isn't that? There, we we started getting kind of caught up in this in this trap, if you will, as a trap. Uh, when you're when you're digging into Scripture, there there
1: are and you find opposing scriptures. You find
0: opposing tri- Scripture, or you find research. You know, man, this manuscript said this and that manuscript said that. That's a that's me uh, looking at this through the paradigm under the law. That's the old mindset. Looking at this from the flesh, from the old mindset under the law it versus looking at this through the spirit. Because if I'm looking at this through the spirit, I'll see that just four, three chapters down or three verses down where it says that righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, that is the same thing as no condemnation in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit. So it's a repeat in a different style that righteousness requir- righteous requirement of the law fulfilled is the same as saying you're not being condemned the law is fulfilled there's no judgment against you because so so whether that half a line is attached to the first verse or whether it's in the fourth verse it's still a concept that the spirit's trying to get across so try not to get caught up in that uh legalism um when, when we pray for Holy Spirit to show us wisdom, give us wisdom and what the Word says, He's going to give it to us. So, um, and no condemnation are those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, how can you be in someone? That was something that struck me. So, the word in that they use here, I-N, actually comes from the Greek uh, N, which is which is really similar, so it's easy to get confused, but it's used almost 3,000 times in the Bible, 2,800 times they use this word in, and it's a preposition and it, it can be translated as in, or by, or with, or among, or on, or through. It's, it's trying to denote some kind of a position um, or a relationship with. So we're in this relationship with Christ. You could you could interpose any of those with Christ, among Christ, through Christ, by Christ, in Christ. So all of those are pertaining to the same uh, preposition. So it kind of gives us a concept of this relationship we have to be in with Christ for there to be no condemnation.
1: Yeah, it's, yes. And to be able to be free of condemnation, we have to come to the end of ourself, which is where we were at with chapter seven. And we have to completely surrender to life and Jesus and walk according to the spirit. And the word spirit in, chapter eight so chapter seven we had 22 uses of the word law one spirit well in chapter eight we have 22 uses of the word spirit and in greek it's the word pneuma n-e-u-m-a and it means holy spirit it is holy spirit 100 of the time so you have to surrender life in jesus and walk according to the holy spirit and that is how you get no condemnation And um Another outline that you can look at with Romans 8, there's three parts. And the first part is about the no condemnation. The second part is about there's no defeat in Christ Jesus. And then the third part is there's no separation in the Father, there's no separation in Christ Jesus. So you can also kind of break down Romans 8 into those three parts. Um, and you'll see that more as we as we go on. Um, and then of course, verse three and verse four, Daniel pretty much already touched on. But for me, verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse six, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I mean that, so I used part of my testimony uh, last time for a specific purpose. Because I wanted to show when you so we are now new beings in Christ, we have oh wretched man that I am who's going to deliver me from this body of death. Okay, we've been delivered. We know it's not us. We know that we cannot will ourselves to be good and perfect. We know that we now need to surrender completely to Holy Spirit. So we have to put this old these members this body, we have to put it out of business. And this is how we're gonna do it is with Holy Spirit. And I use that testimony because for 14 years, my body, my members were used to doing something as far as sin was considered. And then now all of a sudden I'm a new creation in Jesus, age 22, but nobody explained to me these scriptures, nobody explained to me that first part that you were talking about, no condemnation and to be in Jesus and having the Holy Spirit When I got saved and I got water baptized, they said, you know, we baptize you now in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but nobody explained to me what the Holy Spirit was for. Why did I have Holy Spirit? What, I knew that I received Holy Spirit from accepting Jesus and believing in him to be God's Son. And through my faith, I had Holy Spirit, but what was my use of Holy Spirit? Nobody ever talked about that. So I had no idea that I was even supposed to listen to Holy Spirit, that, that I had two minds, that I had a spiritual mind and I had a carnal mind. I had no idea. So not only, <laughs> just left me powerless. So I got saved at 22. And then for 10 more years, I walked in horrible sin because I never knew that I had a spiritual mind and a carnal mind. I never understood that. So just again, wanna encourage everybody, when you're coming across new Christians, we have to be able to explain this to them. We have to be able to walk them through this. And for ourselves, we have to set our minds on the things of the spirit, not on the flesh. And the easiest way for you to determine if you're walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh is to ask yourself, what is my mind set on?
0: You have to think about your thoughts.
1: Yeah, (laughs) because the mind is the strategic battleground where the spirit and the flesh fight. Imagine your mind being the boxing ring. Your flesh and your spirit are going at it all the time. And the only thing that we have control over is submitting to the will of the spirit and submitting to the Holy Spirit or allowing our flesh to reign as it has however long we've been walking it because it wants to reign for me that that helps understand and also if your mind is set on the things of the spirit it's going to line up with everything in the word of god if what you're thinking what you're doing if if it lines up with what the Lord says we are supposed to be walking in and we are supposed to be having, then you know that your mind is set on the things of the spirit. Otherwise <laughs> you are not going to be going anywhere good. And I want to read this to me was the word enmity. I, I don't think sometimes we understand just what that means and how bad our flesh is.
0: So, this, so that's in seven, where it says, "Because the carnal mind is enmity against God." It says the carnal mind is enmity. The carnal mind is enmity. It's not at enmity. It's not again. You know, it, it, that's this is what the carnal mind is. So let me read the definition of enmity. Yes. Um, the word is. Where is it? There <clears throat> hostility, or by implication, a reason for opposition. So, the carnal mind is hostile, and it is, it is. it's not, it, it is hostile. And just so you know, this is a feminine noun, according to Strong's.
1: He made, he made sure to point
0: that out. <laughs> this is according to <laughs> Strong's, this is, a, <laughs> this is a feminine noun, it's very hostile in an opposition
1: <laughs> yes so i i love what this says the flesh battles against god because it does not want to be crucified and surrendered to the lord jesus christ it does not want to live out galatians 5:24. those who who are christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and in this battle to tame the flesh the law is powerless which is what chapter 7 showed us And this is by Spurgeon. This is so good. And Paul didn't say that the carnal mind was at enmity with God. He put it even stronger than that, that the carnal mind is enmity with God. It's not black, but blackness. And it is not enmity, at enmity but enmity itself it is not corrupt but corruption itself it's not rebellious it is rebellion it's not wicked it is wickedness itself so we have to truly understand just how awful our carnal mind is in opposition to our spiritual mind and what the lord wants to do in us
0: So when we, so this is a, this is a very stern warning when he says those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. That's the carnal mind. That's the carnal mindset. The carnally minded is death, but the spiritually minded is life and peace. So we need to cap. We need to make sure that we capture all of our um, Thoughts. thoughts
1: and pull, hold them all, pull them down.
0: yeah and hold them captive yes um we had a scripture for that but that's okay Uh,
1: (laughs) we do let's see
0: so in that i have it i'll get it we also see that this is moving into some pretty heavy conviction here
1: hold on let me so i want to give you a scripture another scripture for this so, Second Corinthians ten five, Ephesians four twenty one through twenty four, Ephesians four seventeen, and of course Romans twelve two. But we're gonna but, read. But I'm gonna read Second Corinthians ten five, actually four five. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We know those scriptures really well. And there's a reason why these scriptures keep getting mirrored in almost every single New Testament book of the Bible. It's because that, this right here, is where the battleground is. And It's so important that we pull those down.
0: So let's go ahead and move on uh, to verse 9 through 11. Okay.
1: But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So good. That's
0: some good news. So this is uh, this is kind of a process in itself because first he's 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 trying to show look you're either you either have the spirit and you're with him or you're not. And then he starts going into this process of what it's like when we do have the spirit of Christ in us. First, the body is dead, so the body dies to sin. So we have a dead body but the spirit is, is life. So the spirit, because of righteousness. So we have a dead body, but a live spirit. So <clears throat> the spirit of who, who, Christ, who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. So we have a dead body and we have the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us, then, then our mortal bodies will be raised back up to life in the spirit so we're not we don't so our body's no longer dead. But it's only dead to sin now it's been now it's alive back alive in the spirit.
1: Yeah, and if you go to back to you know chapter seven verse five he says for when we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. So we have, and then you go to verse 23, seven, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So we have to remember that we ha- it takes time and it takes us walking in the spiritual mindset to be able to put, keep down what our members, what our body, is wanting to do, our body is wanting to sin. And remember how I I can't, I'm not on the stage, but I was like, we have to keep kicking that body down. We have to keep kicking it down and telling it, no, <laughs> the old man, my members, my body is dead. I am a new creation. I'm gonna walk in the newness of the spirit. I'm gonna walk in the newness of who I am. But we have to get physical with our old members to really beat them into submission of walking in obedience to Christ. And don't be afraid of the physical warfare that sometimes has to happen. (laughs) It's so good. And then um, I want to go to 2 Corinthians 4.11. 2 Corinthians 4.11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So he's saying, may your life in Jesus be manifested in your mortal flesh. So he's reiterating in 2 Corinthians 4.11 that...
0: It's a new flesh. It's been renewed, reborn even back to life because it was dead to sin and it it, it was dead, but... With that spirit that lives in us, the same one that raised Christ will re-raise our mortal bodies back to life, and and uh, so Jesus will be manifest in it.
1: Yeah. Beautiful.
0: All right. Let
1: me go back to Romans eight. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and read on.
0: We're going to go go ahead and go move into the twelve through seventeen.
1: So therefore brethren we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for as many as are led by the spirit of god these are the sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father." I'm actually going to stop there. And I'm, hold on. I'm going to actually read this in Romans, or sorry, in Romans, in the Passion Translation. I'm going to read. 14, hold on, sorry, I'm on the wrong page. 12 12 through 15. Yeah, no, I'm going to read 14 through 15 in the Passion Translation. So the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So verse 14, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In the Passion, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding in you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him, saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. Verse 16, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. He's talking to the Jews that are coming from a place of all religion and no relationship. They have never known God to be a father. They are coming from a place of if you break the law, then you are going to pay, and the consequences for many of those Literally broken laws. Hey, you're
0: You're, you're going to kill something. You're going to give first fruits of something. You're going to offer you, something that's going to that's going to take away from your livelihood. Or
1: you're going to die. Like this, the the consequence to, of adultery was was death. So, they were there was a fear attached to God. It was a fear that if we do something wrong, if we break this law, then this God of ours is going to punish us. And they had no concept of relationship. They had no concept of that they were even children. Because remember, there was nobody there that planted that church. They've heard this from the grapevine. They've been, they were, somebody was at Acts and they're, so they're just getting bits and pieces. They haven't had anybody to share with them who they really are and what it means to be in Christ. They haven't had anybody share with them that our God is now a father, that Jesus came. The sole purpose for Jesus coming was to restore us into relationship, to, re- to reveal to us that he was no longer a God that you had to fear, but he was a loving father that wants to restore you back to him, that there was no longer gonna be punishment if you did something wrong, that he was going to love you and embrace you through doing through all those little mess ups this was a, an, an entirely new concept to them, which is why he says, um, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again, again to fear, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And what's beautiful is that in Roman adoption, because remember, they're in, they're in, it's Romans, in Roman adoption, when you were adopted into a new family, your entire life, connected to your blood family was severed. It was completely broken. Let me
0: share this about the Roman adoption.
1: So beautiful. And you're completely, and then you inherit everything about your new family.
0: On top of the inheritance, this is a a glimpse into Roman adoption. So birth seemed so much more desirable than adoption that it was fair to, to ask why God would even use adoption. The answer is that the Romans recognized that when a baby was born, you got what you got, whether you like it or not. This is what, this would include the sex of the child, birthmarks, etc. S- thus, according to Roman law, a natural, naturally born baby could be disowned from the family. However, people adopting a child knew exactly what they were getting. And no one adopted a child unless that specific child was wanted as a family member. So according to law, an adopted child could not be disowned. He, was, he or she was permanently added to the family. Many early believers were Roman citizens, so they used this word adoption to convey this, this inability for this relationship now that they have be broken this is this is forever relationship because god chose us he knew exactly what he was getting this wasn't a chance um arrangement he chose us specifically so there is no the use of the word adoption entails it also brings with it the idea that this relationship will never be um disavowed. It will be never be dis we will never be disowned by the father because the what the adoption meant to them in this time frame.
1: Yes. And the Holy Spirit showed me something so beautiful and we're going to use it tonight. I've I've to just really understand the Father and also what it means when you live a life of the carnal mind versus the things of the spirit. So if you will turn with me to Luke 15, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go on a little rabbit trail. We are so with that in mind that there are so many of us that you hear father being called father. You you hear Abba you and and it takes time. I had to fight I had to fight for that transformation of my mind to understand that I was a daughter. I knew what the word said and I wanted to believe it, but it was missing my heart. It, it wasn't I had to fight for that. And boy did I fight, but it it happened. It happened for me and because he's so good, because he's so good. Our father so we're, we're in this, and I'm asking the Lord that there's so many scriptures that we could have gone to, and he showed me the prodigal son. And when we go to Luke 15, I want you to go down to verse 11, and I'm going to read the prodigal son. And we're going to dive into that for a little bit. So, hold, so here we go. Verse 11, and I'm going to keep reading. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living.
0: So, first off, he's in the flesh. He's walking in the flesh. It's his inheritance that he's thinking about, it's the things of the world that have him captured and captivated that are leading him, that he's being drawn into. So he's following the flesh.
1: But when he had spent all there, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would, have glad- he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself.
0: This is a transformation. This is a mind When shifting. he
1: came to himself, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?
0: This is where he realized that he needed something different. This, this mindset that he had, this flesh that he was following, we're, now we're back into Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, looking for
1: salvation. How many of my father's hired servants have have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants.
0: So his relationship, hes the only thing he can hope for is servitude. He wants to come back to his father, but as a servant as someone under law as someone who is expected to earn to earn their his favor so that's how he's coming back to the father and we see that in eight he's warning against that say you you're not we're not going to give you
1: this, don't go back
0: to that you're not inheriting um, what does the he say the spirit of fear a bondage he's not saying you do not receive the spirit of bondage again so you're not going back with this mindset, this fear mindset, but that's, that's where he's at right now. He's coming back at it as, as if he was coming into servitude.
1: And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. So he He was was lost. He was dead and is alive again because the Holy Spirit was like, he he's already his son. He was already his son when he went out. So this is such a beautiful parable of what it means to be in Christ, to be saved. But those backsliding Christians or those Christians that haven't come to the end of themselves yet. So this was my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be married. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, Your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But the son was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. And he answered and said to his father, All these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes, he has devoured your livelihood with harlots and you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found the other brother he's like the jews that are under the law the other brother's like wait a minute i've done all these things i do all these things but there's no relationship there's no love and he has absolutely he's not accessing his inheritance he's not accessing what he has through the father he's just working and tilling.
0: yeah all he's doing is focusing on the law what he's been told to do making sure that he does everything to the letter so that he can have his the approval of his father not not seeing the true relationship that he had already not seeing himself in a relationship with the father and then when this wild son comes back to life now he's like well he feels like he has more or he has more right or more reason to 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 appease the father because he's done it for so long so we see a lot of this is it, it that
1: he's earned it. He's I've earned done it. all this to earn. I sh- I sh- I earned it.
0: So there is some um, some parallels with this story with what's going on in the church with the Jewish population having been bred into the law um, for generations and being chosen by God for generations, and now all of a sudden these these. Um, Gentiles that were born into sin and born, you know, into, um, all, from all these other nations, and now they're coming, and they're, and, and they're supposed to be like us, like brothers uh, in, under Christ. Like, there's this tension, and we see that paralleled in the Roman church
1: um, as well. And And just in my own life, my own testimony, this really speaks to me, because I because of the way that the enemy kept me down, I always felt like I had to look a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way. With my own human father, um, I never felt accepted unless I was thin, unless I was successful, unless we had a house, unless Daniel worked in the oil industry. Um, We had to, there was a certain expectation. There were certain things that I knew would earn me my father's affection and and, and his, his acceptance. And I knew that if I was outside of those things, then I was a failure. And so in my own mind, it's taken me years to be free of that thinking. And I'm still not fully delivered of it. I, I still struggle with how I look on the just my just my physicality. I want to be healthy and I want to worship my body with the Lord. But worship there's the this Lord part the of me they worship the Lord with my body. Thank you. But there's this part of me that struggles that I'm only valuable if I'm thin. And so I'm still working my way. Th- and, it, and it comes back to the fact that I started getting teased when I was in third grade. So a whole lifetime of being put down because of that so we all have strongholds we all have things that the enemy has used to make us think that we have to be a certain way there are certain things that we have to do to be able to receive from the father to be in and that's not true and so we have to submit those thoughts and we have to fight to be free of those thoughts we have to want to fight to be a child of the father and so that we can have access to everything that it means to be a child of the father that son had no idea he wasn't accessing anything that he had access to so i just want us to understand that we all have those things that we have to submit that we have to go i know this doesn't line up with your word and who i'm supposed to be in you and who you say i am And sometimes it's an hourly fight, sometimes it's an, and sometimes it may not arise until you're around those people. And then you, those thoughts come up and you go, oh my goodness, you know, we've got to have some prayer prayer ministry after this visit. (laughs) Because this is bringing some stuff up that I thought was dead. I didn't know it was there. And all of a sudden it's there. So yeah, these are just scriptures for us to remember remember how important that is. And also to remember what our Father, the, the fact that Jesus came to reveal the Father, the Father, the Father. And if you don't know, and I had to find out what that was for me. Is he my Father? Is he my Abba? Is he like Leif Hetland Papa? You know, what? what is he for you? And, and, and I, had, I had to work through that. What are you? What, so I just want to in, encourage you to try those on as well. What are you to me and and what helps? And if you don't feel that, that intimacy, that connection with him, fight for it because he reveals himself. He used three beautiful sisters in Jesus to reveal that I was his daughter. He kept pounding these scriptures home and pounding the same scriptures by these beautiful women and how much he loved me. And it wasn't, it wasn't getting in, it wasn't getting in. I'm like, yep, those are nice scriptures. Yep, of course I know he loves me. We're in a charismatic church, what are you? You're highly favored and blessed and loved. You know, though, <laughs> But sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. And if it's not meaning anything, then something's wrong and there's a disconnect. And that means that you have not fully come into the realization what it means to be a child and you don't feel like a child.
0: Again? It's because your paradigm Ooh. doesn't allow for it because you haven't had that full shift yet your your understanding your <clears throat> ideas and truths and expectations haven't lined up with this new paradigm under the spirit
1: yeah so you had that aha moment for me anyway it's just it's so beautiful he loves us so much that it, you seek him you fight for it he's our father he's 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 the best father that we could ever imagine. He's never, he's not gonna let us down. He's gonna reveal himself. So I just wanna encourage you with that. He's so good.
0: So let's read. Yes. We only have a couple of verse here. Sixteen through seventeen.
1: Yes. Um sixteen through seventeen. Okay. Yes. Okay. 16. So the spirit, I'm going back to New King. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together.
0: So I think the key here is that the, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's, it's not us that bears this witness to God. We don't just come to him and say, hey, we're your children. The, ho- the Holy Spirit bears witness. This is, this is speaks to the necessity of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This, this is very important to us that we have Holy Spirit. So if anybody out there is confused about this whether or not we should or shouldn't or need Holy Spirit in our lives or in us. This is very specific because if we go to uh, Deuteronomy 17 chapter or chapter 17 verse 6. Let's go there and see what what it means to bear witness. So
1: Deuteronomy 17 6.
0: So Deuteronomy 17, 6 says, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. So that one witness of the Holy Spirit saves us from death. And that's, uh, I think that's that's pretty st- startling when you, when you look at it and realize that when he says, let me get back to Romans again. When he says the, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that one witness is that life-saving witness. That means the difference between life and death, a single witness. So it's very imperative that we have Holy Spirit.
1: And again, he's talking to the Jews. The Jews would have known that scripture. They would have understood the concept of a witness. Yes.
0: You know, it takes quite a few witnesses to kill you, but it only takes one to save your life.
1: Yes. And I'm going to read um, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So 17... If we're children, then we're heirs, and we're joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Jesus, we may also be glorified. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Just, we could do a whole teaching on on what glory is and what it's going to be to be revealed in Jesus, but... I want to go into how important this is. There's a mirror scripture in First Peter 4.13. So First Peter 4.13. It says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So every suffering, every trial we go through, we are we are to go through it with exceeding joy um so it's just important and then i want to go to where's my other scripture first john 3 2 first john 3 2 beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. This is just, just, it's just so beautiful that no ma- he just keeps repeating, the Lord just keeps re- repeating what's going on. Um, and that no matter what, no matter what we're going through It's okay, because we have to suffer. We have to go through those things because of what Christ did so that the glory will be revealed in us. And it's, again, very important that it says that the glory will be revealed in us. It's not through us. It's not by us. It's not for us. It's in us because Christ Jesus is in us. So, again, it's through Christ in us that the glory will be revealed.
0: So let's go ahead and read 19 through 27.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. And if you want to dive, I just want to give them more scripture references. If you want to dive into more about the glory, 1 Peter 4.13, and then just read 2 Thessalonians and pretty much all of 1 Peter. (laughs) And there's a lot about the glory in there. There's too many scriptures for us to reference, so but I want to give you guys, you know, more words to chew on. I'm sorry, you said 19 through what? Through 27. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God.
0: So it starts off and he's saying, "All of creation that's all the animals, all the plants, all all life on earth mountains, rivers, all of creation wants eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, because they're all subject to what our downfall created. They're all subject to death and decay. They're all subject to the to the problems that sin brought into the world. So they're 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 wanting badly for this bondage of corruption to be delivered from itself from it. So we have the creation groaning together in labor pains. Um, in death there's all these sufferings that they that they bear because of the fall of mankind because of the fall of, of the human race because of the choices that were made by one man creation suffers so they're groaning and now and also now it has us as humans as those who have the first fruits of the spirit we we have this relationship with god and we have Holy Spirit in us now. Holy, now we have these fruits in us from Holy Spirit, and we are groaning for we, we are wanting for this adoption for this, these, uh, the redemption of our bodies. We're we're also in, in expectation. The creation of the all the creation of the earth is in expectation. We are, ourselves are also in an, an expectation, and then. It talks, about, it talks about this groaning. The, the creatures that are groaning, they, they, the word there is uh, cisternaz, cisternazo,
1: <laughs> how do you say that? Cisternazo.
0: Cisternazo. And it's a groaning together. So it's this togetherness of, of a, a moan or jo- jointly. So there it's a com- common calamity. Experiencing in this common calamity, so that's that's the groaning of the creation, and then there's the groaning of mankind of, of us, and that's stenazo, it's not cisternazo, it's stenazo, and stenazo means um to groan or to sigh, so it's like uh, it's a it's a it's similar, um.
1: Go oh, I didn't say that. There's also stenognos, the third So,
0: one. So that's a, that's humans. We're, we're groaning as well. Now you get into the next few verses and it talks about the Holy Spirit helping us in our weakness. Now this weakness, Alicia? Yes. This weakness? Yes. T- tell us about this weakness. Okay,
1: well, before we, hold on. Before we get into the weakness, I want to go back. To the fruits of the spirit, first fruits of the spirit. I just thought that was really interesting that he, verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. Why did he use that to describe us? And... Well, it has to
0: do with our stage in in our walk yeah. with christ how, where, how far are we long in, in our in our belief system in our restructuring of our paradigm do we even understand that there is something new right. coming so, so we have to be at a certain level
1: yes to even yes. In, be in anticipation the first fruits of the spirit would include his indwelling presence his gifts his wisdom and his transforming power so to Be the so to be one who has the first fruits of the spirit means you have to be walking in all of those, which means you have to be at a certain level of maturity to even want, want much less grown with eager expectation of what's to come. So he's bringing us along. He's saying now, when you get to this place, or if you're at this place you're you're going, gonna be groaning
0: you're gonna be yearning for this adoption for this redemption redemption you're gonna be because you're gonna know what's ahead once you reach this level
1: yes so good and then so then we move on to the weaknesses and oh yeah oh so so good so where are we at where's the weaknesses okay likewise the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought so the weaknesses what was i where where did i go on
0: asthenia oh yeah that's right is the is the greek and the the biblical outline usage of this is for the soul
1: because it can be weaknesses or infirmities and i think sometimes when we see the word infirmity we think of physical infirmities we think broken legs broken hands broken feet you know, scars, bruising, we think of a physicality, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, he's really talking about the infirmities and the weaknesses of the soul. And what does that mean? What would allow us to groan and cry out so much that there's no words? That's not gonna come from a physical infirmity. That's gonna come from a soul infirmity. And what that means is When you're wanting of strength and calamity, to understand something, you're yearning, you need wisdom and revelation to do things great and glorious, to restrain corrupt desires and to bear trials and troubles.
0: You got to combine all those. So your want, your want of strength and capacity to understand things, your want of strength and capacity to do things great and glorious. It's the want of strength and capacity to restrain corrupt desires. These are the, this is the infirmity of the soul. It's the want of strength and capacity to bear trials and troubles. So this is the infirmity that he's he's talking about.
1: And then when you get into the, the word groaning there. Um...
0: We've already talked about Sistanago, stenago. Um this word groaning is only used twice in the New Testament. The others had multiple uses, but um <clears throat> this this word stenagmos is only used twice, and the other instance is in Acts 734.
1: 734.
0: So let's go ahead and read that so we can see what this groaning entails that the Holy Spirit is doing on our behalf. So
1: 734.
0: Give me a second Acts.
1: 734. And it's it's Moses. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come I will send you to Egypt. So that same groaning of his people.
0: So that was the Israelites in bondage in Egypt God heard the groaning of his people and sent Moses into Egypt to, to bring them out. So that's the kind of groaning that we see here in Romans.
1: So and a lot of people think that it is tongues, but it's not it's not just that. So there are it's yeah, it's I love what the passion says on that one.
0: What's the passion say? It
1: says it says, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. So again, when I hear that, those emotional sighs too deep from words that rise up from out of your soul, I've been there a couple of times. I think we've all been there. and you don't even know how it just it is just this groan it is this this cry that comes from deep within because he doesn't use the word tongues if you go and you and you look up the word tongues it's a totally different greek word totally different meaning and here it's these groans it's these it's these sighs from deep within so i just i just it was fascinating to to really understand that whole picture all right
0: So now he has searched his heart. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the spirit doesn't even need uttering, doesn't even need language. Just that heart posture that the spirit has for us in intercession, the father who can read hearts understands that. And can, and, and can get meaning out of that. So then we're going to move into, um, we're going to go ahead and finish the chapter out, 20, uh, verse 28 through 30, uh, 39. And I just want, before we get into this 28 through 39, I want to I bring us to another scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, just to kind of preface the mindset that we, we need to have here. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read 13 through 16. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. These are Paul's words. Comparing spiritual things with, with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god for they are foolishness to him the things of this things of the spirit of god are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned this is that paradigm i was telling you about this is where the natural mind s- system can't understand how the language of the spirit makes sense when we we have one paradigm versus another a question in an opposing paradigm doesn't even make sense to where we're standing anymore so that's this the that's the uh, the spiritual discern be our spirit things that are spiritually discerned but in 15 but you who are spiritual judges but he who is spiritual judges all things yet he himself is rightly judged by no one for who has known the mind of the lord but that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ so the mind of christ is the new paradigm the mind of christ is what we need to understand things of the spirit the mind of christ is the things that we need to filter what we're receiving through, how we create our ideas, our truths, our expectations, how we create theories and laws and generalizations. Those are the things we need to filter through this mind of Christ. That we don't want the mind of the law. We don't want the mind of the flesh. We want the mind of Christ so that we can discern spiritual things because the natural man does not receive things from the spirit, they are foolishness to him. So we need that when, when we see things in Scripture that seem foolish or un, un, we can't understand them, we need to uh, try to approach them from a different mindset, from the mind of Christ, from a new paradigm, because we all know Scripture is in Word of God. So we have to adjust our thought process to match that. We can't adjust the words in the, in the Scripture. We can't adjust what was written to fit our thought process It's our thought process that needs to change so that we can absorb the truth in the scripture. Does that make sense? So let's go ahead and finish this chapter out.
1: Where am I at? Verse 1. 28. Thank you. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So we have Jesus and Holy Spirit making intercession for us. We have two out of the three godheads making intercession for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, which is Psalms 44:22. So we could just spend a year on those scriptures alone. Oh my goodness. Go
0: oh, I, okay, so there's there's a couple of things I want, uh, that really struck me in this. And one of them was right at the beginning. He says, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for his good. So he says that, And then he goes on to say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or swords? He's saying these things could possibly come against us. Are they going to separate us from God? So first he says all things are good to those who love God. Then he says that we could be under persecution, we could have our swords against us, we could be naked and in peril. So how is that good? How, is any, how could any of that work for my good who loves God? And I'm gonna say that this brings into question your interpretation of what is good. We don't know what is good, we're not good. Our nature is not good. Our paradigm doesn't allow for what real good is. All we know is what we experience. Now, God is the only thing. Christ himself said, only the Father is good. So he is really the only being, the Father is the only being who actually understands what good means. So it's not that... How can good and all these trials and tribulations line up? It's that our interpretation of what good is, is wrong. And we need to understand that or else we're going to try to confuse ourselves. We can't. We don't know the mind of God, but he's the only one who knows what good is. So even though we're going through these persecutions, this famine, this nakedness, these perils, we can't allow that to separate us from his love. And, it's, and, then, and then the chapter finishes off. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities of power, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, none of this stuff will separate us from God. So no matter what we're going through, the good that we see or the good that he's talking about is an everlasting good. It is a good that is only found in the paradigm, in the thought process, in the mind experience of God himself. He knows what's good. We, our, our limited capacity doesn't allow for what real goodness is. Mm. And then he moves on to um, those whom he foreknew and who had been pre- predestined to conform to the image of the Son. So this brings into this uh, predestination uh, problem. Is it a problem for scripture? No. Is it a problem for the spirit? No. Is it a problem for God? No. It's only a problem if our paradigm doesn't allow for it or if we don't understand how free will and predestination can exist in the same moment. So I'm going to try to allow I know we're I know we're already after eight o'clock and I if you guys need to head out and understand but this is real important for me to, to, to get this out and I've actually I've actually spoken about it uh, once before about how predestination and free will can exist in the same in the same space and that is that God is outside of time so he, knows all possibilities, experiences all time. There's, it's not linear. If you're outside of time, you can't experience it linearly. You experience it all. So he experiences me purchasing this phone, deciding to purchase this phone. And he also experiences me not purchasing this phone, deciding not to purchase this phone, all possibilities. me. I only experience one possibility. That's the one that I choose to experience because I'm trapped in time. I am a, I am a slave to time. I'm not eternal. I don't see all possibilities. But in physics, there are laws in place now or understandings of particles and, and reality that show that things are all possible until they are observed. So we create this one possibility into reality. So that's how you can have a Godhead who created all things and made all things possible and knows the end and predestines us into a, a path. But we choose how we experience that path. We choose if we experience our best self that he created, that he's experiencing, or we choose to experience our worst self which he also experiences he experiences all possibilities that we could that we could freely choose so that's how we can have him predestine us but us having choices in that predestination
1: that's so good yeah and i want to if, if you want to take some notes going back to romans 24 and 25 about hope I didn't co- we didn't cover these cuz we we're short on time but 2 Corinthians 4:18, 2 Corinthians 5:17 and Hebrews 11:1 for us to hope for the things that are not seen. I think as it's just so important for us to truly understand that. So I just want to encourage you to dive into that at home and to truly truly know that I think that is the anyway, we need to hope for the things that are not seen <laughs> and call things into existence. As though they are, Um, it's very important for us to do that. So I just wanted to cover that. And then when I was asking the Lord, um, I was like, you know, what, what's the big crescendo here at at Romans? And, and it's, he ends on it, it 39, (sighs) nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He ends it with love. Love of his son, through hope, his son, in his son. Hope that nothing can separate. The adoption,
0: that they that there have this understanding that there is nothing to separate. God will never choose to disown us because he has adopted us. And that's not...
1: Never. Yes. Yes, he'll never be separated. So this is all about his love and his son and our restoration to him. So... And now we're fully delivered.
0: So now we're fully delivered.
1: <laughs> oh, man. We are now sons and daughters. Yeah, <laughs> so fully do you Have any
0: questions or comments? Yeah. Well, that's been really deep. I love it. It's been rich. Awesome. Any uh, thoughts, questions? I mean, we got to digest a lot of it. It's been
1: yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's, yeah. it's a lot to digest.
0: Yeah, you could spend a lot of time um, in Romans So eight, but next it's week, if you guys want some homework, maybe give you something to think about. We're gonna attempt to do uh, 9
1: 10 and 11 9
0: 10 and 11 because they're all f- are so knit together about the nation of Israel grafted in with Israel that's one of my awesome chapters I love those well guys thank you so much we bless you thank Jim you. thank you for this uh, reverse streaming it worked praise god <laughs> you guys be well we will see you here next week
1: yeah. Right. Yes, we will. And to all those that are online, we love you. Thank you so much. Um, we just and love all of you. Thank you so much for showing up and just praying for us. Yeah. So we'll see you next week.
0: All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you.